0: somewhere in that journey I was sat on the sofa and it just kind of popped up into my head that you know what am I doing I'm sitting here on this sofa I'm not feeling anything I'm not thinking anything I've got no joy in me my emotions are just gone my libido's gone I'm just this shell I just didn't want to be that person
1: that person wasn't me Welcome to A Woman's Blessing Podcast. My name is Lynette Allen, and this show is dedicated to honoring the strength and resilience of women. Over the past 20 years or so, I've held hundreds of sister circles and hosted deeply healing medicine retreats where I've been really humbled to hear the stories of women, of how they've overcome really hard life situations. During that time, I've realized that women are really, really resilient. We are so tough and very, very brave we develop courage and determination we never knew we had when we find ourselves in critical times and we pull ourselves through no matter what's going on. This show is about meeting the women who have done that. We'll be hearing their most personal stories to reveal how they got through, what they did exactly, and where their strength came from in order to inspire you. It's so deeply important to honor these life moments. The girls we used to be, the women we are now, and the women we are yet to become. And today I'm so happy to be introducing you to Melanie Syrett. I came across her on Facebook actually when I was talking to people about my latest book A Woman's Blessing. It's a book for ceremony and Melanie runs ceremony circles and sister circles with drumming. So she was one of the first women to put her hand up and said, I'd love to read your book, uh, to quote for it. So first of all, Melanie, thank you for doing that bit for my book. Oh, absolute pleasure. It's a wonderful book, a really wonderful book. (laughs) Thank you. And secondly, thank you for being on this show, because when I started to talk to you more, we were messaging and messaging, and I think it was the daytime where you are, but here it was nighttime, as I remember, and I'm just... Messaging, messaging, messaging you, this perfect stranger, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And I feel that we've developed a bit of a relationship on that messenger thing, but you think, I'm really learning about this lady and what she's been through. And then I saw your website and then I saw your film and I thought, ah, I really, really have to have you on the show. So give us a bit of background about you and what you overcame give us a little example of of what you were going through a few years ago
0: yeah thank you thank you um and i just want to echo that it was a really wonderful set of messages to suddenly a sister from across the water appearing in my life beautiful um <laughs> so my life has been blighted with um really awful periods i started bleeding when i was 14 which seemed to be quite late compared to my peers, and and from the moment that I started bleeding they were always painful. Um, I used to go to school and be on the way to school sitting on the curb unable to kind of get up and move and stuck between a rock and a hard place because if I went home I'd get all the questions about was I really ill and if I went to school I'd get all the questions about was I really ill and people just didn't see, well they didn't know what was going on inside me. When I was 15, I went to the doctors on my own back and uh, started taking the pill for the pain, which really helped for a while. But when I was 21, the last few years of that, the pain had been up to what it used to be and worse. So I came off that pill and suffered and suffered every month and it would interfere with work it would interfere with social lives it would interfere with relationships and the pain was i can't even describe it i i thought back then it was a a 10 you know out of 10 and it was debilitating but actually when i got to 27 i realized that it was probably only a one out of the pain that you can experience and yeah i um found myself at work I was a primary school teacher and found myself laying across the the chairs in the staff room in so much agony that I thought I was actually having a miscarriage I had a partner but we were using contraception and I thought there can't be anything that's this painful other than something like that and they ended up calling my family who came to collect me and took me to the hospital who then <laughs> who then um poked and prodded my tummy a little bit Told me it was just period pain and gave me some tablets that made it go away. Yeah, there was like a pink tablet and a small white tablet, and yeah, they made the pain go away in that moment. And there was nothing else, there was no follow up, there was no nothing. It was just this pain had been. So I thought, okay, maybe that was just a one off. And then A few months later, even though I still had the period pain of a normal period, what I thought was a a normal period pain in between, a few months later the same thing happened and I was working in a new school this time. A friend had to take me to the hospital. Same thing, what's going on? This time I didn't have a partner so I couldn't be miscarrying, what is it? Same thing. They said, um, it's just period pain. Gave me some tablets and sent me off on my way. Um, yeah. And then what happened was every month this started to happen. So this pain that was debilitating, it put me on the floor. If I was in bed, I couldn't find a space to relieve myself of the pain. It got so bad that I would be being sick. I would be blacking out. Oh, gosh. No, no tablets it hit it. It just—it was horrendous. If I was at work, I'd have to be going home. So it, at that point in my life, I was doing really well in terms of um, supporting young people with their personal social and health education. And lots of people were coming to the school I worked at to watch what I was doing. And we had a baroness come one day. And I was going to do an assembly for her. And I was going to teach a lesson for her and have an interview with her. And as she walked through the door, I ended up in a disabled loo, being sick, rolling around, writhing around, unable to really open my eyes. Speak to people because my period had come. Oh no, darling. Yeah, yeah. And ended up they got oh. me a taxi, but the idea of walking for one minute to get to the taxi and then sitting in a taxi for fifteen minutes to get home was just more than I felt felt that I could bear. And this was every month now, and so I was just constantly in fear of when my bleed was going to come, um, where I would be, what would be happening. It stopped me going on holiday. It stopped me. Um, doing social yeah. things and I'd, I'd be the kind of butt of jokes be like oh she's got a
1: period again but it was so bad so did they kind of get to the bottom of what this was was it period pains or was it something more sinister than that
0: most people who've got had really bad period pains I went to the doctors quite a few times and was told it was just period pains. I was also told um when I asked you know could it be PCOS I was told to go and um lose weight and that was all the uh, guidance I was given and so I, I kind of stopped going to the doctors and then as this got worse and worse and worse I thought I've got to go and I went with a big pad of all the things that were happening. I I got pain in se- during sex and things like that as well. And I got referred finally to um, a clinic uh, by London Bridge where they said that it was an endometriosis, which I, from all my research, I kind of knew at that point. Mm-hmm. And that the only way there was no cure and... <laughs> That the only thing I could do to manage it was to go on the pill or have have the Marina coil. The coil was what they were really pushing. I could try having a baby because that might work, oh. which was the wrong <laughs> word to say to me because at the, at the time I just found out that my partner that I'd been with for many years didn't want children, and I wasn't sure where I wanted what I wanted, so. Them saying that to me was like a Mm. a, a knife in the heart, you know. Mm. uh, And there's no point having a hysterectomy because it can still come back if you've had a hysterectomy. Basically, they painted a really bleak picture, a really bleak picture. Um, uh, And I could have surgery and they could go in with a laparoscopy and they could take what's there out. But then it may grow. It will grow back. So there's no point, really. You just got to live with it, was what I was told. So you must have been completely desperate. Like how? How do you do? How do you do life with that? yeah absolutely i was at a point where i was thinking oh gosh i've got a name for it i'm being i'm under a, a, a kind of medical care for it there, yeah. there was like a chink of hope and then that completely was ripped away mm. and it, and the same thing was happening every month was the pain so i relented and I, although i didn't want to i went on the pill which stopped my periods altogether which was really weird i didn't really like that and somewhere in that journey i was sat i remember it's a clear as day i was sat on the sofa and it just kind of popped up into my head that you know what am I doing I'm sitting here on this sofa I'm not feeling anything I'm not thinking anything I've got no joy in me my emotions are just gone Mm -hmm. my libido's gone I'm just this shell and it was clear like it was the my hormones being stilted as it were with the pill it turned me into a a zombie and I just didn't want to be that person that person wasn't me yeah
1: yeah so tell me about now and when how long ago was this so I have five
0: years 33 what am I now 39 so six years ago was when all this was happening with the pill and then me coming off the pill and the the change so yeah how
1: are you now so you've had six years of going through some kind of healing right
0: Yeah, absolutely. In the last six years, I've had five bad periods. And when I'm saying bad periods, I'm saying like the very beginnings of when I started to have the endometriosis pain. The pain over those years got worse and worse and worse and worse from two hours of pain to eight hours of pain. So I, in the last five years, I've had maybe an hour five times. Most of the periods I've had, have been pain-free or just the hint of cramp. I I didn't even know you could have periods that didn't have pain. I I didn't even know you could have a period that didn't have pain. Um, Wow. Yeah, it's been a different place to live. I know I have to be very aware of my self-care, my nutrition, my emotional self-care. Otherwise, that one of those five, you know, raises its head. It's my body's way of saying, you know, you're not looking after yourself. Listen to us, you
1: know. <laughs> what did you do? Because uh, this program, of course, is about saying, well, this is where I was and this is where I, I am now. And for those people who may be in your situation themselves, or they might have a daughter or a best friend in your situation, or a mother even, yeah. maybe you could shed some light on what you did to help your body um, so that they can perhaps be inspired. So, you were at a really low point you're describing yeah life was shocking like where was the moment that you thought hang on a minute I've, I've got to do something about this this is this is my body I'm going to take ownership where, where did you go with that? I think the the moment that I,
0: I thought right I've got to do something about it was that moment when I sat with the uh, rec- realization that the pill had put me into a bit of a a zombie coma, just floating through life, you know, not not as as me at all. And that made me go, right, there must be a cure for this. There can't be, you're whatever I was, 32, 33, and you're not going to um, ever have a pain-free bleed. You're going to be in this pain forever. It can't be right. It w- I didn't always have that pain that bad. So why is it just there, you know? And that got me researching endometriosis. And then as many things, happen that I think <laughs> looking back are a bit of a calling in your life a, a series of events happened so I went into a bookshop second-hand bookshop and the book Chris to Christiane Northrup's Women's Bodies Women's Wisdom was right in front of me and it said three pounds and I was like well I'm gonna buy that didn't know anything about it but <laughs> felt like I needed to have it there's tons okay. in there about endometriosis
1: did was that obvious from the book when you when you saw the cover was that it had lots about endometriosis? Was it obvious or was it just the title you were drawn to, or what made you like pick that book up?
0: Well, I think the fact that it was surrounded by loads of books about cookery and it was just sat there um it is like why is that there and it, it was in my eye line it says women's bodies women's wisdom a complete guide to women's health and well-being there's a picture of women on the front cover I think I picked it up and saw the back that says I've actually got it next to me because I was using it yesterday ways to avoid hysterectomy uh, natural treatments and things like that and Yeah, I took it home. It was three quid, so you know it would be silly not to. And it just turned out that there was tons in there uh, about endometriosis. And she's a doctor, a medical doctor, but she's also an energy worker. So her mixture fits me beautifully in that sense of looking at the emotional mental side of things not just the the physical symptoms. Mm
1: -hmm. So you bought that book you were drawn to it it appeared in front of you in the most obvious place which I mean I love how the universe works sometimes right so they're going to say well you really need to to read this book we're going to put it in the middle of lots of cookery books so that it stands out. You take it home. Tell me what happens
0: then. I started to read that book, and there's a whole uh, massive chapter on endometriosis. But in between that and that me really deepening into that chapter, something else happens on Facebook. A random event popped up on my page. Shouldn't have because I wasn't really into all of that, any of that stuff at that time. It was a heal the womb workshop oh. run by um, who is now my teacher and friend Claire Spink, and I, d- I didn't know things like that existed. So I had the money and I just bought that. I also was in an endometriosis group and won. They did a raffle and I won an EFT session with somebody. Okay. So I went on this. <laughs> I went on this retreat and was surrounded by women. I mean. For me, at that time, it was that my idea of um, absolute hell was sitting in circle with women. I hadn't ever done it before. <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing. And the first thing they did was sit us in a circle. And I was near the last person to speak. And I was watching all these women speaking and, and trying to create my script in my head about what I was going to say
1: Yeah.
0: as they were talking. And I was watching them and listening to them talking about, their periods, their bodies, their menopause, their this, their that. And I had never, my My family aren't an open family. Emotional literacy wasn't really, it was only something I taught at school, you know, with kids. It wasn't really um, a family thing and a friendship thing. And it got round to me and my script went out of my head and I just, blah, 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 blah My whole story <laughs> whilst crying and, you know, big snotty tears and,
1: yeah.
0: Melanie, that speaks to me so much. Yeah, oh, pivotal. The recognising I wasn't interested in the pill, it was causing me a problem. The book and the, the sitting in that circle, pivotal, life-changing moment And that was only the beginning of that retreat. We then went through to do monarch work and looking back at our first periods, talking about our periods, doing a, a short meditation to connect to our womb. And my womb, said uh, she felt acknowledged. And oh. it was like... Lightning. I knew from that moment that I didn't really even connect with my body from below in my breast to the top of my thighs. It wasn't even a part of me. I wanted to be thinking about. It brought me pain. It was bigger than I wanted it to be. The negativity I felt in my body. Melanie, I've got
1: goosebumps all over myself. <laughs> this is mad. Tears to my eyes just talking about it again because it was just huge. So it seems to me from from what I've heard of other people who have had you know, like a series of synchronicities, you would say, a series of, well, just this happened and that happened and then somebody out of the blue phoned me and it was a wrong number and then I married him and, you know, all sorts of things. seems to start with a decision like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to do this, but I don't know how. That's. It seems to start with that. It's that. That sounds like it was right for you as well. It started with that decision when you thought, I, I can't do this. This this pill is just wrecking my, my, my body and who I am.
0: Well, yeah. I think um, if you had asked me back then, I would have gone, ah, no, whatever. But I think now, yeah, if I made the decision to make a change, then what's happening the universe is conspiring to help me uh, it's putting books in my way it's doing the this retreat and the woman it turns out the woman i won the eft session with from a different yeah. page on facebook was at that retreat a friend of the teacher and so we got to talk and then she decided that EFT wasn't the right thing let's do some menstrual cycle awareness and you just had teachers arrive at your feet basically
1: you won something a book showed up you put yourself on a course because Facebook decided you should see it I mean that's amazing isn't it yeah yeah absolutely and that just
0: started the whole ball rolling and the, that workshop was a catalyst that took me to reading the book more in depth and understanding that I can make a difference. And then the the, the sessions with Leora, who was the EFT lady, asked me questions that I'd never even thought about. Things like, what are your emotional needs? Back hmm. in that, that time, I couldn't tell you. I didn't think about myself hmm. with my own needs. I was yeah. supporting everybody else all the time and trying to make sure everybody else was happy and Everything was done for everyone else.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's huge, isn't it? To really get in touch with yourself and to know yourself and what you want and what you don't want and what you need. Introducing women to the concept of themselves is really key. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: That sitting in circle that first time.
1: Tell me what you mean about sitting in circle, because we know that phrase. I know that phrase. But for those who don't know that phrase, what, what do you mean by sitting in circle?
0: Well, sitting in a circle of women where whoa, there's space to share from your heart, your soul, to be heard and witnessed without anyone jumping in to give you advice. Or any judgment, it's completely non judgmental space, and where everybody gets an opportunity to say as much or as little as they want to about what's going on for them at the moment. You know, the power of having somebody hold a space, so just keeping everybody kind of gently in check so that there is no jumping in to give advice or throwing a box of tissues at you or giving you a hug when you start to cry. And Yeah, yeah. We want to stop. It's in us to kind of stop things and and make people feel better. I just remember sitting there having, I don't know how many women there were, 25, 30, looking at me or looking at the floor or just being present in that space as I told my story, as it fell out of my mat because it needed to be heard. That's oh, connection, yeah. isn't it?
1: Absolutely. On a level that we don't get usually because we're always jumping into each other's stories with conversation or laughs or, or as yeah. you say, trying to make it better, like, oh, don't worry, things will be better. And that doesn't help at all. And sometimes it's the acknowledgement of just being heard by a group yeah. of women. And when, probably when you did it, we typically sister circles is what they're called or women's circles typically you'll sit around um central, beautiful piece it could be made of flowers or or crystals or um beautiful incense or things that mean something to the people in in the group we might be sitting on the floor uh on a cushion so that we are just titles job titles get left at the door your history gets left at the door how much money you have gets left at the door Everybody comes into that space equal, right? We're yeah. just women. I'm, you're just yeah.
0: you. No hats, no roles, just you. Yeah. 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 So
1: where did you go from there? Because that circle was groundbreaking. <laughs> how, how did that continue? Because you run circles now, yes?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, so um, I went away from that um, first ever sitting in circle, realizing the power that Impact it had, had on me, and thought I need to find somewhere like that near me because this one was deep Essex, and I was living in South London at the time the closest one I could find was in Richmond, which on and the days didn't work it was over an hour away um I couldn't get to it. So I thought, right, okay, I need that in my life. And I think other people need it in their life. It's just such a huge thing. It made such an impact. Mm. Found some people that I know, said I wanted to do this, and a couple came forward and said, we'll help. We can then do it at each other's homes. Nobody's going to be having to host every month. We'll do it. And uh, before that, I'd done loads of reading as well. I read The Red Tent by Anita Diamant. I read Circle of Stones by Judith Dirk. And just finding out these ways of holding this space. And I did a lot of online research. I took that to yeah. those women who wanted to help run it and said, look, this is how I envisage it. And we created a, a kind of, this is the way we're going to run this tent. We called it a red tent. Yeah. and And then it started. And we had... Four people at the first one, me, one of the other ladies who was running it, one of her daughters, and one of her cousins. And I just remember thinking, oh, no, this is not enough people. You know, it's not going to work. But that evening was groundbreaking, just having the space space to be ourselves. And then we did an activity, and we ate, and we just got an opportunity to be in this safe space with women, where, for me particularly, my life had been about competition competition in work mm-hmm. competition with other women around me wanting to be better and um more desired and whatever uh it it, it had been the way that my life had been it'd been such a looking back on it it's really sad um but mm-hmm. quite normal i think in um when you're trying to get up ladders at, at work and things and yeah really sad but then so uh we carried on meeting every month. We met on the dark moon, so time traditionally kind of seen as an introspective time, and, and it went from strength to strength to strength, and in the end, uh, I ran that tent for four years before passing it to other women as I was moving um, home away from London, and in the end, we, would, we had a free space that we could use, because one of the ladies who joined the tent had this space. The amount of women that came through our doors, some once only, some every month, some only when they could make it, it didn't matter. And every time we held this, we had a meditation to to kind of connect us and bring us into the space, and then the sharing circle, and then an activity, and food, and we had laughter, and tears, and pain, and joy, and...
1: Oh, Oh, it sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, if I didn't go for a month or two, which only happened once or twice, the the sense of that missing in my life was huge. It was a real Mm. self-care tribe, community,
1: people lifting you up, you know, sisterhood. Which is how it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, back in the tribal times when we lived in smaller villages where people didn't cross huge distances to live, we would have had people that knew us deeply, our families and our um, cousins and our our yeah. best friends we would have had that support from them. But that tribe is missing. You know, I live in Bali right at the moment and my family is in England. Many of my closest sisters that I held circles with uh, for plant medicine are in Mallorca and I miss them deeply, you know, so... To be able to bring those women together regularly is, is gold dust. I want to yeah. bring it back to the pain, though, because when you started this circle and you started about healing your womb, uh, creating a relationship between what was below your boobs to the top of your legs, yeah. like acknowledging that that bit existed and yeah. and then taking notice of it, and then starting these sister circles, how did the pain change or alter during that time?
0: So I just go back to that time when I decided to stop taking the pill. I did about a month of preparation before I stopped taking it. And I did things like I bought cloth pads because... I was aware of the bleach and the plastic in um the disposable ones, as well as the eco kind of part of it, but I had read that it supports you with heavy period and periods and pains. I started doing things like if I had a bath or a shower, I would wash myself like I was an Egyptian queen, bathing in milk, and I would purposely touch my tummy, touch my um my my body that I'd hated forever. Um, and trying to make this relationship and, and, and begin to love and say lovely things to my body. I started self-massage every night. I changed things like caffeine and dairy. I took them out of my nutritional system and, and started taking some supplements of B vitamins and things. And I've learned in the, it, since that caffeine and dairy are huge triggers for inflammation in my body and pain. So I still have okay. to go with that. And then I started those those circles. So there was this whole wrap around sense of I'm changing this. I'm going to be loving my body, loving what's coming from it in terms of a menstrual period because I was hating those and the process of what was going on if I was cramping and changing it so that it was like um, this, my body is doing this magical thing of releasing every month. I've not had to do anything to it. It's just doing it for me. And so changing the way I spoke to myself the way I love myself, and then the way that I integrated um, that self-care into working with others. So the circles, talking freely about myself and my body and my pain and my life and what was going on and hearing other people. And the first period I had after the pill, after stopping the pill, was absolutely pain-free. I'd never had a pain-free period. Yeah. And (laughs) even better. So... I only learned the name for it um, last week. But um, in that bleed, I had this huge, huge black pad because I was like, I bleed heavily, I need massive ones. And, yeah, I mean, I ha- only used it once. My bleed really changed in how heavy it was. And I had something called a decidual cast. I didn't know what that was until last week, but it was the whole entire lining of the womb came out in one piece. Wow. Um, no. I didn't feel it. it. It was like a thin womb shaped like wow. blood blood clot but it wasn't a blood clot it was a piece Goodness and I just it just me. blew my mind I thought like, I've not had any pain this is in my um on, on this cloth pad and wow. it's just insane and it went on from there every month the more I did this work of coming home to myself of dropping this competition and actually embracing The women, the people around me, being true and authentic and speaking from my own heart and soul instead of what I thought people wanted to hear and listening to people doing that as well. The, you know the pain i had pain
1: free periods <laughs> i tell you what that's amazing yeah i mean if yeah. somebody had said to you back then you know you really should make friends with your womb and <laughs> start talking to your wedding more nicely you'd have looked at them and told them to like f off or something yeah I? I would have i would have
0: <laughs> sweared at them and i would have probably lit up another cigarette <laughs> and um got myself a jack Daniels and diet coke and i think <laughs> Looking back on it, I can really see where my self-care was really lacking and Mm. I was smoking, I was drinking far too much. My talk to myself was negative. My talk about other people was negative. One of the things I like to do was watch other people and say nasty things about them. And it just shows you... How much I didn't love myself, you know, and it was coming out to other people. And and I think this is what this has been. It's been a huge journey of loving myself and watching that unfold out into my world, um, which is so different now. But in the best way the best way yeah i can talk about things with my friends now because what happened was my friendship slightly changed and these people came into my life who were like me and wanted to talk about their lives and check in yeah. in a way that wasn't superficial yes yeah. And so there's so much more daily self care in that sense, you know. I'm not girting over the things that come up. If something comes up, I know to do something with it. Listen to it, ask what it needs.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, now that's so important, right? So in many of the meditations I do in the cacao ceremonies, is go to a part of the body and ask them to ask what it needs.
0: Yeah. What is it
1: what messages does it have for you? What is it trying to say to you? And the things that people come back to me with after we've finished the meditation and we're back in the room and, and we're all talking again, the feedback is phenomenal. Like, honestly, what they have heard themselves yeah. say or what they've heard their body say to them has been amazing, mind-blowing. Yeah, well, just
0: like that first time that I was guided to ask my womb how she felt and she said uh, mm. that she <laughs> she'd been acknowledged, That uh, is now a self-care practice of mine, and I do it with lots of the people that I work with. That sense of drop into your heart, ask how it's feeling, what does it need? Drop into your womb, ask how it's feeling, what does it need? It will tell you everything about what's truly going on behind all the kind of stuff you tell yourself and the the head that tells you other things, you know?
1: You've just reminded me, actually, just just in that sentence that you said, to put your hand over your heart and ask what it needs, uh... I actually say that to my daughter when she wakes up, she's seven and a half and mm. I'll put I'll encourage her to put my I put my hand on her heart or she will and I'll say, How is your heart today? And she'll tell me. But I think that came from about a decade ago. Uh I had a very difficult decision to make. I was thinking about having to leave my first marriage. It was a very painful time for me. And mm. someone said, Put your hand on your heart and ask what you should do. Yeah. And I've never done that before, but that's very, very powerful, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: it breaks through all the stuff your head's telling you. And our heads can tell us all kinds of things. (laughs) Why we should stay, why we should go, why we shouldn't do this, why we should do that. But our heart and our wombs, they know everything deep down inside. They do, don't
1: they? They really do. Mm, Absolutely. So what would you say now to women who might be listening to this thinking, oh, well, I, I'm just so desperate and so low that I don't know what to do. And, you know, she, clearly she's she was like that but a long time ago. What would you say to those women?
0: Wow. Well, I would say that you shouldn't give up hope. I think that one thing to do would be to check in with your heart and womb and see what she says about things like, joining a sister circle, a red tent, a women's gathering, because that in itself will support you in your healing in a way that you'll never, never expect. And then do things like get that book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, read up about it. There's so many messages we get that tell us that we have to be in pain, that there is no cure, that the kind of things that I did don't exist. It's all this, that and the other, but I'm here, I'm living proof of it, you know, be courageous. What I'm hearing from you is that you took ownership of it. Absolutely. And and, and I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know. I just felt like this can't be my life forever. I can't do another twenty odd years of this whole day of pain, and then a whole day of being wiped out because it's so tiring, being in so much pain. Um, mm. It can't be right. It's not. It can't be
1: incurable. Mm. It's yeah. amazing, isn't it? The power of a decision, and the power of taking ownership, and saying this is my body. I don't believe what the experts are telling me and i'm gonna sort it out myself i'm gonna do this and not knowing how and then just in that decision letting the universe show you like it did with yeah. you
0: yeah and yesterday on uh facebook the national geographic put out a request for things to do about menstrual cultures traditions healthcare, because they want to do a, a, a an article and the amount Of women saying how do i sort my pain out how do i sort out my pms my pmdd my pcos and and with the work that i've done since then which my work is now Mm -hmm. supporting women in this way we we still get the message from the, the medical system that you know there's nothing you can do about it and you know you just have to put up with it but take control look at look at what's going on allow yourself to be guided in how to reconnect that's a massive thing reconnecting to who you you are reconnecting to your body because if you, i imagine that many people in, in the same place that i was if if I, if you ask them what do you think about your womb mm-hmm. do you know where it is in your body you know do you feel connected to your your womb the answer would be no to everything
1: mm. and it's really important to talk about this area of connection with ourselves you know part of the work i do is to help women remember who they are to mm. connect with themselves and to find their medicine and to find the medicine of women in them like you have found the medicine woman in you <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i mean that's the most one of the biggest things of this journey you know my work was as a primary school teacher where my passion was um, sex education relationships education puberty education it was so lacking it still is so lacking but i That was my passion. My periods were really bad. They got even worse. I started doing healing work, which then led me to these wonderful teachers. And my life has completely shifted in a way that taking that pain and has changed it so I can support others.
1: But you were already doing that work and yet missing out a vital part of you yeah I was doing it for children yeah I was doing it for children and family you were doing it with what I would probably suggest was your left brain like this is the information this is what I'm I'm passionate about but your emotional contract with your body was not there right yeah completely how funny is that
0: Yeah. And I put everything into trying to improve this work for young people because just watching 10, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 9-year-olds starting their bleeds and not knowing what it is um, and knowing Mm. that there's nobody in the space that they can talk to about it because people are still struggling with with the taboo of periods and the, the shame and the you know, I don't want to talk about it. It's difficult. I don't know how to talk about it. You know, and ah, oh. I think
1: it's really difficult, isn't it? And struggling every every time myself. And struggling you know? <laughs> every time. <laughs> There's a link there, isn't there? There's more healing that had to be done in order to get to the root of why you were suffering.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That sense of competition in my life. Am I willing to change the things that I was doing, uh, looking at do I, my emotional needs, are they being met? And it took me so long to write a list of them, months, because I just didn't even know I had emotional needs. And then seeing wow. those put out on paper, I was like, okay, there's something I need to shift here. I'm not getting anything I need. I'm
1: giving it all away, you know. so amazing to hear that. So what would you say to mothers of children and pre pubescent girls what would you say how do we talk to our girls about periods and their period pains because you know as I said to you before we started this I've I've had period pains but I've probably had 10 deeply deeply uh, debilitating times out of my whole history I probably started when I was 11 or 12 and I'm now 46 so I' mean at a guess I've probably only had a dozen times yeah. so how do I speak to Libby about that? How do we speak to our daughters when they start their periods? What would you say? Well,
0: I think it needs to start before they start. You know, pu- uh, puberty starts mm-hmm. around eight um, to, to up to around 17. So these changes are going to be different for every child. So opening up the conversations about uh, body change, like <laughs> feet getting bigger when you get your new shoes and clothes getting bigger and things like that, opens up a safe space to talk yeah. i think the two the two huge things in in my opinion are having a safe space that you can feel confident to talk about whatever's going on and know you're not going to be judged um know that your words are going to be met with love and support whatever it be you know uh, it's huge mm-hmm. um many children grew up with their family Well, many adults now grew up with their families not really talking about these things. So it wasn't safe to speak about it because nobody spoke about it. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is factual knowledge. It can be so easy to pass off something like a myth or a a, a throwaway comment because you're scared to answer factually. And if you can answer factually, then you're not creating more myths and taboos and shame and confusion. You're giving the tools yeah. that the child needs. So open-hearted and factual. So find, find reference books and things like that, that that tell you what you need to know if you don't know. Do some menstrual cycle awareness reading. There's some amazing books for that. You can then support your daughter
1: from a place of understanding. Yeah, That's really big stuff. Thank you for that. In our ceremonies and rituals, we, we tend to talk about the three aspects of women which is the girls we used to be, the women we are now, and the women we are yet to become. So from your place now, what would you say to the girl you used to be? Oh, that's massive. Very emotional.
0: Ah, um, oh, well, definitely, I love you. I don't think she heard that. She certainly didn't hear it from me uh, and the, the caretakers in her life, you know. And that everything you're going through is going to support you in helping other people. So yeah, you can do oh, that's it. You've so
1: nice. <laughs> you just yeah. melted me completely. You've just melted me. And what would you say to the woman you are now?
0: <laughs> well, without swearing, <laughs> I'd say, "Oh hell yeah!" You know, look at you. It can be easy still to drop into that space of like not really recognizing who you are right now and what you're doing. And look at you. You're you're living something you never thought was a thing and and you know inside you that you want to help people you want to change the stories of women and children which ultimately changes the stories of everybody in the world because <laughs> the the mothers and the children are the are the future you know yeah look at what you're doing and keep keep going with it sometimes it's easy sometimes it's tricky but you look at you yeah that makes <laughs> sense. let me just wipe away a tear <laughs> Just, yeah, absolutely fantastic woman that words oh, would darling. never have fallen out of my mouth, you know.
1: And do you have a sense of the woman you are yet to become?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, I think my role as elder or whoever I am is very much about keeping these messages going, supporting the change in the rise of the, you know, reconnecting to the female body understanding it, supporting children as they're understanding theirs, reconnecting to your self-expression, your authenticity, who you are, taking up space. And I think, yeah, the me who's yet to come is the one who takes up the space unashamedly and shows other people to do how to do it, you know. And it's not about bashing anybody else in the way. It's about rising up together, women, men, whoever you identify yeah. as, all of us coming up together,
1: yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that from the bottom of my heart, to rise up together and to stand next to each other as humans and brothers and sisters around the world and to really listen to each other. Melanie, I've really, really loved this. (laughs) I have so much loved talking to you. My dress is covered in tears. (laughs) I think I knew from those moments when we were messaging that, oh my gosh, I've got a sister here. And that's really special for me, to connect online. Thank you so much. An
0: absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share this, you know, change from what, you know, being in adversity, you know, there is light at the end of that tunnel
1: and there continues to be light. And that's what we need to hear if you have a story of courage and bravery where you had to dig deep into your resilience and find your true power i would love to hear from you because when women stand up and tell their stories like melanie did they give hope and inspiration to those who are struggling right now and we need a ton of strength sisters women we know and women we don't know to be held by to be heard by and to be inspired by when women celebrate their own courage and honor their stories we give permission to other women to do the same dig deeper into your own self-discovery check out our hideaway retreats secret coaching calls and divine rituals to get you back on the road to your highest life purpose at www.awomansblessing.com from me and from melanie thank you for listening we put our hand on our hearts to you and don't we, melanie put your hand yes, on your heart absolutely. and work out what you need i'll leave you with that